For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Philip Wong. You're listening to Daybreak. Today, we cover the class of 1973, Princeton's first co-ed four-year graduating class, Hodding Carter's death, the Montana ban on TikTok, and the dissolvement of the National Assembly in Ecuador. It's Thursday, May 18th. The class of 1973 was Princeton's first four-year class of women at the university. I sat down with associate news editor Leah Opperman, class of 25, who spoke to women from the class of 1973 to discuss what their experiences were like when they were students. Hi, my name is Leah Opperman and I'm an associate news editor for The Prince. Can you tell us what was so special about the class of 1973? The class of 1973 was special because it was the first class of women at Princeton who spent all four years at the university. Princeton became co-educational in the fall of 1969, so the first class of women ended up graduating in 1973, though a few transfer students started to graduate a bit earlier. This was the first class who spent all of their time at Princeton. What sort of positive and negative experiences did the women face? From the women that I spoke to, at least, there were resoundingly positive experiences at the university and less discrimination that they had initially anticipated. There was still a lot of pushback from men, and a lot of women were also first generation, women of color, and it was difficult navigating the space that is Princeton, not only being the first woman class, but also being first in low income, being a woman of color, and also navigating being smaller than the class of men that were at Princeton. A lot of women remarked being the only woman in their preceptor, their class, which some said was a positive thing, some said it was a negative thing, but it was just being in the minority at Princeton that took a bit of time to navigate and adjust to, especially when it was a new thing for the university as well. Can you tell us about some of these extraordinary women from the class of 1973? Yeah, there's a few women. I mean, I would love to highlight all the women, but a few that I would specifically like to highlight is Elaine Chan, also from the class of 1973. She is a biology major and was from, quote unquote, a family of modest means. But when she got accepted to Princeton, you know, it was one of the greatest days of her life. She mentioned a lot about how when her mom died, this isn't when she went to Princeton, but she talked about how she devoted her inheritance to Princeton University and said that with the money, they must put it towards creating an Asian American studies program. And now there's a certificate in Asian American studies. And she's also just been involved with the university throughout past 50 years and has gone to the majority of reunions and is helping to plan the P-Raid for the class of 1973 this year. So that's super, super exciting. Another interesting experience is from Victoria Bjorklund. She is a medieval studies major and talked a lot about her experience and love of basketball. She was the captain of her basketball team throughout high school and remembered going to the equipment room in Dillon Gym to play basketball. And she was told that they don't have any basketballs for girls, which she was shocked by because she was just so used to playing. She ended up connecting with the first woman who helped establish women's athletics at Princeton. And she went back to Dillon and they finally handed her a ball and she was able to play basketball, although she was never able to participate in any of the pickup games with the boys. But the next year, she received her first call from the person who helped establish women athletics. And she was told that the university was gonna start a basketball team and she became the oldest woman basketball alum. So there are a lot of change makers in the class of 1973. All of the women that I interviewed are change makers. Thank you so much. Thank you. On May 11th, Hodding Carter III, class of 1957, 
a journalist, State Department spokesman during the Iran hostage crisis, and former university trustee, passed away at age 88. Carter graduated from Princeton with a degree in the School of Public and International Affairs and served as a trustee for 15 years, beginning in 1983. In 1985, he told the prince, quote, Any trustee who comes to the board firstly because he or she cares passionately about Princeton. You can't be a trustee otherwise. It takes too much time. It takes a real commitment to the institution. Yesterday, Montana Governor Greg Gianforte signed a bill to ban TikTok from operating within the state. The ban, effective on January 1st, 2024, will ban app stores, including Apple's App Store and Google's Play Store, from allowing TikTok to be downloaded within state boundaries. Currently, it is unclear how the ban will be enforced on the level of individual users, especially for those who have already downloaded TikTok before the ban and those who use VPNs or virtual private networks to change their device's recorded location to outside the state. The ban has garnered backlash from the ACLU and from TikTok itself. The ACLU's local policy director, Keegan Madrondo, called the ban unconstitutional, stating that, quote, With this ban, Governor Gianforte and the Montana legislature have trampled on the free speech of hundreds of thousands of Montanans who use the app to express themselves, gather information, and run their small business in the name of anti-Chinese sentiment. A TikTok spokesperson stated, quote, Gianforte signed a bill that infringes on the First Amendment rights of the people of Montana by unlawfully banning TikTok. The bill's authors and Governor Gianforte have noted that they expect to face court battles over the legislation, with Gianforte saying that Montana is taking, quote, the most decisive action of any state to protect Montanians' private data and sensitive personal information. Yesterday, President Guillermo Lasso of Ecuador made a drastic move to dissolve the National Assembly as impeachment proceedings loomed over embezzlement allegations. Lasso invoked a constitutional measure that had never been used before known as mutual death, which allowed Lasso to dissolve the opposition-led National Assembly but forced elections to be moved up within the next 90 days in what is called a snap election. Lawmakers are accusing Lasso of using the move to interrupt impeachment proceedings against him, which Lasso denied. He stated that snap elections are the, quote, best decision to pave the way for hope, unquote. But former Ecuadorian President Rafael Correal disagreed, calling the move illegal but, quote, a great opportunity to get rid of Lasso, his government, and his rented assembly members and recover the country, unquote. Today is sunny with a high of 67 and a low of 39 degrees. That's all for Daybreak Today. This is the last daily episode of Daybreak for the semester. Please stay tuned for some long-form episodes over summer break. Daily episodes will return this fall. Today's episode was written by me, sound engineered by me, and produced under the 147th Managing Board of the Prince. Our theme was composed by Ed Horan, class of 2022. For the Daily Princetonian, I'm Philip Wong. Have a wonderful day.